message is from Family Worship Center. This message will not only build your life, but will make you experience the transforming love of God. Open up your heart and be blessed. I need no other argument. I need. Ay, 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 ay. Rebo shakalila balaha. Yelebo sakalala mandere deba. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Father, it is enough that Jesus died for us. We celebrate that this morning. We thank you for the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yes, don't threaten to clap. Clap unto the Lord. Hallelujah. We, are, we need no other argument. We need no other plea. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for us. We are grateful, Lord, that he not only died, but he went to the grave and collected the key of death and Hades and hell. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you that he's coming back again for us. We believe in Jesus. We believe that he's the son of God. We believe that he died and rose for us. And we believe he's coming back again. We believe in the blood of Jesus. We believe in the word. We believe in the Holy Spirit. Lord, this morning we thank you for the grace that woke us up this morning and brought us to church. We are just so grateful that we are able to make this 6.30 service. And Lord, we are awake and alert, waiting for you, Lord. We came to worship you. We came to hear you. We came for you alone. Lord, I ask that not one person will go home the same way they came. In the name of Jesus. I commit the preaching of the word of God to you this morning. Lord, that it will come out the way you want it to come out. God, I have prayed, I have waited on you on this word. I ask, oh God, that I will not be a hindrance to it. That nothing I say, nothing I do, that not even a hand movement will be in the way of the word. Have your way and glorify yourself. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 5, I'm going to read from verse 21. Enoch lived 65 years. And begot Methuselah. After he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. Praise the Lord. Okay, let's just go to um, Hebrews chapter 11 where we read last week. Verse 5. Please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11 verse 5. The first one was Genesis chapter 5 verse 21 to 24. And this one is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Hallelujah. May you have a good testimony. May you not be a reproach to the Lord or, or bring reproach to him in the name of Jesus. I'm going to read one more verse. Amos chapter 3, Amos is after Joel. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Please open your Bibles and mark, mark Amos if you find it. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Okay, so let's read together. Can, again, 
One more time. Unless, unless they are agreed. The Amplified said, do two work together except they make an appointment and have agreed. Praise the Lord. So last week, we looked at what it means to work with God. What it means to work with God. This week, we are looking, today we are looking at how to work with God. So last week was what. This week is how. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. As I thought about this message today, I thought that this is so important to God that I'm saying the same thing over and over. I've been saying the same thing for three, going on three months now, for two months. It's the same scriptures, the same things. But it's so important to God because like I told you, the most important thing in your life is to love God. Did you see it in the Bible? Have you, are you convinced that you are created to love God? That the commandment is to love God? The commandment is nothing. The commandment is to love God. Did you see it in the Bible? So that loving God must be the most important thing. So, and this year we are doing loving God on purpose by waiting on him, by walking with him, and by choosing him daily. By choosing him daily. This walking with him, I can preach it for six weeks. But I'm going to try and limit it to three weeks because it's a lot. And because it's so important. I mean, Enoch walked with God and God carried him. Noah walked with God and God rescued him. They are the two people that is, are mentioned in the Bible as having walked with God. They walked with God. And, you know, I was beginning to wonder. They said they didn't find uh, Moses' grave. Nobody found his grave. God told him to go to the mountain. And that was the end. And knowing human beings, they must have gone looking for that grave. And that's why the Bible noted that they didn't find it. And as I was meditating on my Bible, doing my devotions the other day, it was Elijah and Moses that came on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know that? So it's beginning to say something to me. Now, I'm not going to add anything to Scripture. I'm just telling you my permutations, what I'm thinking. That if his grave was not found, and it was him and Elijah that came back to Jesus on Mount Figuration, maybe he too was taken, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say so. But Noah... Um, Elijah was taken and, and Enoch was taken. They are the two people the Bible categorically said they were taken. They walked with God. So God is interested in people who walk with him. God is so interested. In fact, this week I was so afraid at the point. I, I felt like God was going to take me. He said, ah, Pastor, you're too proud. No, it, it's my feeling. It's my walk with God. I just felt like, in fact, as I was praying the other day, fear caught me. I said, please, Father, don't take me. Leave me to confuse everybody. If you're jealous, that's your business. But this is how I feel about it. So at the point, I stood and I looked at my bed. I say, if tomorrow they come and they open the door, they find my clothes on the bed in my form. And then they, Mama may just look around and say, maybe I'm in the restroom. And then after a while, she'll come back. And then she will not see me again. Then she comes back. And then, and then she'll finally open the door. And then they'll start looking for me because they'll be wondering where I went. And then they'll go to the, to the study go everywhere and not find me. And then they look at all the car. My, all my cars are there. And then they begin to call. Auntie Reg, have you seen? We, we can't find Pastor. Did she come to you? Did somebody pick her? They will ask the security. Did you see Pastor? You know, the thing went to, I say, Father, please, 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 please. <laughs> you know, you can walk with God to get to, you get to a certain level. But I'm not there yet. And, and I think I want to be buried. I want you people to weep over me when I die. I want you to put me in a box. I want you to throw me on the update and all. 
please. Okay, let's go on. Okay, so last week, <laughs> last week we talked about what it means. This week is how. Number one, I'm going straight. I'm not playing today. How do you walk with God? By accepting Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. By accepting Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life. So you must first have a relationship with him first before you can walk together. And that is where that scripture come, comes in. Amos chapter 3 verse 3. How can two walk together except they be agreed? And the only way God has decided to agree to walk with human beings is through his son Jesus Christ. So if you accept Jesus Christ's son, then you can walk with him. You have to first agree with God and he agrees with you. Then you can walk with him. You have to accept the fact that he died and resurrected before you. Then you can walk together. So you say, how about the people, all the other religions that don't believe in Jesus Christ? That is their cup of tea. But our cup of tea is that the Bible says, for there is no salvation in no other name. There is no name under heaven given amongst men by which we must be saved, except through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody goes to the Father but by me. Have you read that in your Bible? So I leave it at that, that for you to walk with God, you have to be born again. You have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So you can't say you are walking with God and reject Jesus Christ. You cannot say you are walking with God and reject Jesus Christ. Neither can you claim to be a Christian walking with God and you have not really accepted Jesus Christ and made a commitment of handing your life over to him. That is the only condition for walking with God, is to hand over your life to Jesus Christ and have a walking, talking relationship with him. Um, John chapter 17 verse 3 says, now this is, this, this scripture baffles me. You know, we think that eternal life is something, one big thing out there and all of that, but it's simple. John 17 verse 3, put it up there. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. That is eternal life. You know him, you know Jesus Christ, his son, whom he sent. So how do you work with God? You accept Jesus Christ and make him the Lord of your life. You make a personal, if you have not accepted him, you can't even, you are just a nominal Christian. You are a Christian by name, but you are not a true Christian. True Christians have accepted Jesus Christ and they are on a journey together. They are on a journey together. Praise the Lord. Number two, how do you work with God? You work with God by making, loving and working with him your number one priority. You, you make a decision. I am going to love God. I am going to walk with God and it is going to be the most important thing in my life. It is going to be the number one priority of my life. That is how you work with God. It's like when you chose to marry, when you chose to marry your husband or your wife, you made a decision that this is the person I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And in relating with God, you have to make that kind of decision and commitment that I have chosen to love him, I've chosen to walk with him for the rest of my life. That way, God himself now will make a covenant with you. You see, it's not everybody that just wakes up and prays in tongues and says, I'm going to, I'm going to I make a covenant with God. No, God must make a covenant with you based on your walk with him, based on your decisions to walk with him, and based on your choices, the fact that you have agreed to, to walk with him. A husband, you cannot just, I cannot just go to Barista Zibri's house and Victoria and begin to claim things from Barista Zibri. He does not have that kind of relationship with me. He does not. There, but, and there are certain things that he can, certain commitments he makes to Victoria. I hope that's her name. I like to mix it with Elizabeth. Every time I call your name, 
I see Victoria Station in London. I don't know why. That is the only way I try to remember it, Victoria. So, but there are covenants he has made with Victoria because they, they work together. They have made an agreement and they went to church and sealed that agreement. So you cannot just claim covenants and promises from God without having a relationship and a work with him and a commitment. And so when you, when you make that commitment, then you can claim his promises. Did you hear me? So I don't want you to, I, I, I declare that this year I'm doing, you can sing that you are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and God will just look at you and laugh. God will look at you and laugh. He will ask, when was the last time you spoke with me? When was the last time, the last thing I asked you to do, have you done it? Are you obeying me? So it, it takes that. It, it takes people working with God to make the covenant and the promises to work. Did you hear me? Does that, does, that, does that make sense to you? That no rascal will just come into your house and begin to claim your house things. No, you give your things to people you have covenant with your children, your wife, your husband, your relations, people who have a relationship with you. You can't just come up the street and, 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 and inherit something from anybody's family. In the same way, to claim, to really claim God's promises, to stand and believe for things and all, you must have made a commitment to love him and to walk with him. Praise the Lord. So how do you walk with God? By making, by making loving and walking with him your number one priority. Number three, how do you walk with God? By spending quality time with him. I didn't say spending time. I said spending quality time. I have spoken over and over about loving God is with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, with your presence, being there. And um, spending quality time, your heart, your soul, your mind must be there. So you must make a decision to continually set aside a special time and a special place where you meet with God on a daily basis and fellowship with him and commune with him. You must set out a special time and a special place where you spend quality time with God. Nobody, no couple raises their family, raises a family in the public. No couple has their children in the public. For things to happen, for you to birth things, for you to be productive, for you to profit, for you to make progress in life, you must have a secret personal relationship with God in a specific place. Where you and him go and he is in you, you are in him. He says, abide in me and I in you. As you cannot bear fruit by you yourself alone unless you abide in him, no trick and nobody can do that. He said, neither can you except you abide in me. You must abide in him in a secret place, in a quiet place. And the relationship, so when you go to that place, you don't go with your telephone. You don't go with your computer. Because those are other distractors or suitors looking for your attention. So when you go to that place, you take your Bible and your, and your book because you want to commune with him. You want to talk to him and you want him to talk to you. It's a special thing. Every, any day you go there and you don't come out with something tangible, something to work with. You don't come out with an instruction, a word for the day. You haven't done well. Did you hear me? So to open your New Testament and read Psalm 23 and say, Father, I commit this day, your kingdom come, your will, and you goose out. You are joking. You are joking, like big time joking. So to commune with God is to sit down with the Bible. Every day of my life, and I, I tell you this because I'm human like you, I sit with my Bible and I read it. I can read 20 or 30 verses. 
And as I'm reading it, I'm thinking of things. I'm thinking of work. I'm thinking of someone. Who knows what I'm talking about? Let me see if anybody knows. So you know what I do? I go back. I tell myself, this is the word of God. This is too serious a matter for me to wonder. Because if I was sitting even before Pastor Wilson or, pa or Pastor Yakubu or even Auntie Reggie, we are talking. I concentrate. I try to understand what they are saying. Now, this is God speaking to me. My mind cannot wonder. So I can read something 10 times until I get that rema into my spirit. Until I collect it and put it here. Until so every day when I am done reading the four sections of the Bible, the New Testament, the, the, the Old Testament, the Proverbs and the Psalm, I ask myself what I close my eyes and I eat. I say, what did you collect from the Old Testament? What did you collect from the New Testament? What do you have in your spirit for, from Psalm? That is communion. And then when I close my eyes, so, okay, so you set aside this time. The first thing is you study the Bible. You study the Bible to learn about God, to know about God. That is where you learn about God from, not from people and prophets. It's from you reading the Bible for yourself. And then you now close your eyes to pray. When you pray, you now see God face to face. If you do not see God when you are praying, you have not touched it yet. See, I'm trying to make sure you walk with God. So every time, and then there are times you are praying, you can be praying in tongues and your mind is, you would have taken your bath, and eating your breakfast while you are praying, and wearing your clothes, and driving, you had, we would have had conversation with some people, and then you, you know, then you come back. Who knows what I'm talking about? So when that happens, you say, we have, we start again, Father, I'm sorry, I begin from the beginning, because I must connect with God, I must see God. Now, to tell you the truth, there are times I'm praying, the glory of God so hits me, I have to literally cover my, my eyes with my hand, to darken because I'm afraid it may just pop, in, pop up in my room. So if you really pray, if you connect with God, you will see him. You will see his face. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You say, Pastor, does he come in a person? No. You, that is why you have a brain and imagination. You, there is a way you have imagined your God to be. There is a way you have imagined the throne of God. Who knows what I'm talking about? There's a, from the things you've heard about God, his majesty, his glory, his splendor and all. So you, as you close your eyes, you begin to see him like that. And you begin to talk with him as you talk to him. That is how I preach. He begins to tell me what, to, what is going to happen. He begins to show me solutions to problems. He, begin to give, he begins to give me answers. I begin to, after I'm done praying every day, I know exactly what to do. That's communion with God. So you must set aside time every day to do that. And then once in a, a while, maybe once a quarter, you must withdraw from everything and everybody. You must shut everybody away and just go and spend protracted times with God. Now, I'm not talking to every Christian listening to me. I'm talking to people who want to walk with God. I'm talking with people who want to walk with God. People who want to have a, the kind of relationship Enoch had with God. I'm talking about them. That, so you pull away. And when you pull away, you go to a hotel room or you go to a, a house where there is nobody. Or if you have the liver, the only reason that I have not gone into onto a mountain to pray is because I don't like snakes. But if you don't, you don't like snakes, if you can tolerate them, you can go to a mountain. If you do that once in your life, it will shock you what you will become. Or you go to the desert. Jesus did that. You go to the desert. And I'm still thinking that sometime in my life, and Reggie is not afraid. I will gather a group of us and then we'll go to the mountain and just pray. We'll stay there for three days. I, I was listening to a message by, by Bishop Abiyo, I think. And he talked about the time 
Bishop Oedipo went to a mountain and sat and prayed for three days. He didn't eat anything. He didn't drink anything. He was so weak and tired, he couldn't come down on his feet. He used his bottom to come down from the mountain. And God said to him, you have touched something. From today, whoever you speak to will, will hear you, will answer you. And God spoke big things to him. There is something that happens that when you go to the mountain and come down, you will never be the same. So I pray you will make it a life experience. To once, in, before you die, go somewhere on a mountain or somewhere or on a pray, pray, there are praying villages. They have them on mountain of fire. When you go to a room and just stay there and settle some things with God. There are certain things that you have to go there and spend a week and not just eat anything, not be talking ja, 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 and leave your telephone at home or switch it off and throw it somewhere and stay with God. When you do that, your life will not be the same. That is how to work with God. People who have done that are really serious people. There are some things that have confused your mind. That it, it has held your mind and held everything. That only going to that mountain can you settle it. That's what Pastor Ina did before he married me. He just took off. Because he didn't want to make a mistake in marrying. Because there were so many women wanting him then. And, and I was the least qualified. But one day he just disappeared for three days. He didn't tell anybody where he went. It was later on I found out he just went to the back of their house to a neighbor who was not there and stayed and just prayed and sought the face of the Lord. Father, is she the one? For some of you, you just look at face and look at beauty and look at, and, and he said, that's the one I want. The fair, all of you, you like fair women, fair women. She must be fair and her legs must be beautiful. No, Pastor Ina was looking for somebody that he will build the ministry with. He took out three days. So there are some things you must wait on the Lord to break through with. That is working with God. That is working with God. So you spend that time in the desert, you pray and you come back. Protected them with God alone. Jesus used to do that. I don't care about you people. Just, I'll just be preaching. In that protected time, like I already said, you will pray and fast. You will, be, you will dedicate yourself to reading the Bible and studying the Bible. You will get instructions from God. When you, when you do seclude and go alone, they are life-defining moments. And all of us, once in your lifetime or twice or three times, or at the... When you get to every juncture of your life, like there is a job opportunity that is going to take you outside the city or separate you from my fa your family, don't just accept it because it's a high salary. Everything is not money. Pull out. Lock yourself in a room and say, Father, is this what you want? See, that's what Jesus did. He said, I do not do anything of myself. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me. And so he never took God for granted. He never assumed or presumed on God. He waited on the Lord until God showed him something. And I pray that by the time we are done with this series of lo on loving God, that I will find some lovers of God. Some people will say, God, is all of you or nothing? That I don't, I'm tired of this mediocrity. I'm tired of this low life I'm living. I want something higher. I want you at another level. I pray that some of you will come out with that determination to go out and see God until he takes you to your next level. Say amen. amen. Number four, how do you work with God? You work with God by trusting him completely and following him every which way he leads you. By trusting God completely and following him every which way he leads you. 
So I checked the meaning of the word trust. To trust means a firm belief in, in the reliability, the truth, and ability of something or someone. I'll repeat it. To trust means a firm belief in the reliability, in the truth, and ability of something or someone. So question is, is God reliable? Talk to me. Is God reliable? Is God reliable? Is he trustworthy? Can he be depended on? Can he, when he promises you something, will he do it? So to trust him is to say, God, I know that you are reliable, so I'm following you. It's like some people will say, if I follow Pastor Ina without reading my Bible, I'll go to heaven. Because they trust, they trusted his Christianity and his integrity, the person he was. But God is even greater than Pastor Ina. God is so reliable. He says it is a, a firm belief in the reliability, the truth. Is God truthful? Is God a true God? Is it God? The Bible says it's impossible for God to lie. Have you seen that in your Bible? And so God can be trusted. And it is to trust a belief in the person's ability. Is God able? Is God able to lead you right? Is God able to lead you to your promised place? Is God able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can imagine for your life? Then you can be trusted. So in working with God, we must trust him. Now, sometimes trusting him will require you do things you don't, that don't make sense. It will require that he may ask you to go to places you don't know and don't want to go. Like Abraham, he says, leave your people and I will show you where you are going. And Abraham packed everything and left the next day. That is what it takes to walk with God, is to trust him. I was with somebody this week and we were talking about different things. And one of the things is that the person cannot understand why Christians are so analytical in their minds. We analyze everything. It must make sense. And Muslims don't do that. Muslims just believe that if it is God, bam, they are gone. They have sold their lives to God, to Allah. They have sold their... So, anything, if they say, throw your child away, Muslims say, that is the will of God, he will throw it. I'm just, that's an extreme case. But I'm saying to you, they don't analyze with, like us. We analyze everything. We calculate everything. And at the end of the day, we become paralyzed because we can't understand it. If you're going to walk with God, you can't be an analytical person. You must just be a third person that falls and say, Father, I'm jumping because this is what I understand. Catch me. Catch me. I trust that you will catch me. I believe you are reliable and trustworthy. So, if you're going to trust God and follow him, he will take you sometimes to places you don't know, places you don't understand, things you don't understand. He will ask you to, make, to make, do certain things, like ask somebody to kill the only child they have. God will ask for such things. The Christianity in which I grew up in, we were told that God could ask of anything. He could ask us to give up our education. To follow him. He could ask us for our car. He could ask us for our house. These days, if you, everything, people can analyze it. And unfortunately, this computer age, you know, do you know that Pastor Ina couldn't have made the progress he made in that, now that he made then, because then there was no internet. And so knowledge was not all over the place. But now everybody is a teacher. Everybody is a, has knowledge and has the Holy Spirit and all. Quote and unquote, and yet our impact is less because we have become too analytical. People, and I'm going to teach on the giving part, pastors, on the next series we are doing. I'm doing the giving part. See how people have analyzed first food. 
They have so analyzed fresh fruit, shaved it to the barest minimum. Somebody collecting six, let's say 500,000. At the end of the day, their first fruit was 122,000. But their salary is 500. But we have analyzed it, analyzed it, shaved it, and shaved it to nothing. To where you just gave away no money, you didn't give an offering. Same thing with tithes and offerings. People analyze, analyze. But if you're going to follow and walk with God, you have to not analyze everything. You just have to just jump and trust that God is reliable, he is truthful, and he is able to do what he has promised you. Thank you for that bold one hand clap. Everybody clap unto the Lord. He's reliable. He's trustworthy. Trusting God will require you to let go your way and what seems right to you and follow a path that you don't know yet all along he is leading, knowing he will lead you. I see young men leave our church and go and bring girls from other places and marry. And if you ask them, why did you go and bring somebody from, you mean that in this whole family worship center, not that, I mean, anybody can marry from anywhere. But I think that the people you, are, you interact with, your husbands and wives should come from there. They will say the girls, I asked three girls and they refused. Because they looked at his height, they looked at his pocket, they looked at his English and all. As if that is all of life. And so, and here they are sitting and praying and believing God for a husband. And as they are believing, they are getting older. Okay, so let me, sorry, sorry, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Trusting him will require you let go your way. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm coming back. Maybe I'll do a marriage seminar one of these days and I will ask them to show you pictures of Yakubu, Wilson, uh, Ode, and Ikide. 15 years ago. You see their neck like, 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 like cockroach. And their stomach, like their shirt was oversized because it was hand-me-down. But you grow into the thing. They didn't become like this overnight. They, were, they did not start by wearing designer suits. Don't judge people by what you see right now. Man will look at you, you look at you and say, no, I don't feel led. Carry your 35, 6, 7, 8, 40 years, 50 year old self all around and pray all you want. And see, sometimes the diamond is in the rough. <laughs> Number five, trust in God. To trust that he's reliable, that, that God cannot lead you astray. Number five, working with God will require you to obey him promptly, completely, always, and sometimes foolishly. I'll say that again. Working with God will require you to obey him promptly, on time, completely, not half and half, and always, and sometimes foolishly. So if you walk with God, you are going to just follow him. You are going to obey him, whether you understand him or not, whether the thing suits you or not, whether it makes sense or not. Please listen to this. There is absolutely no acceptable excuse or reason to disobey God. It's no reason it's acceptable. God, it is not because I, it was because I didn't hear right. I didn't understand. I, no, there will be no excuse because we are supposed to hear him and follow him. 
One step off of following God will be disastrous because God requires 100%. I've told you about taking a 0.000 degree turn. You remember that? That you end up in the wrong place. Whereas you trust and follow God, you will go straight. If you obey God, you will do what he says, when he says it, and how you say it. And now he says it. I'll say that again. If you obey God, you will do what he says, when he says it, and how he says it. To work with God, obedience must be your watchword and eventually your lifestyle. A daily, minute-by-minute -minute thing with you. If you work with God, you will be on a standby to receive the next instruction. Listening carefully to hear the prompting of the Holy Spirit. He leads, you follow. Number six. To work with God is to live by his standards and principles as stated in the Holy Bible. I've said all of this in all the series. But I'm defining it for you so that when you go, you take your notes, you know what it means to wait on him, you know what it means to walk with him, you know what it means to love him generally like I, we already did with those 16 points the other day. To walk with God is to like what he likes and to hate what he hates. If God says, I hate warmongering, I hate a haughty look, I hate a brother who sows discords among people, hate it. Don't sow discord. Don't like what God hates. If God says, don't marry an unbeliever, don't marry an unbeliever. Don't say you are going to change the person. You are going to pray and fast for the person to get born again. To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better for you than for you to be praying and fasting and bringing offering and crying. No, just obey. Don't marry the unbeliever. God says, don't wear that. Don't wear it. God says, give that person the car. Give him the car. Give her the car. Because whatever God asks of you is because he has something better for you. I know it. To work with God, it is pleasing him and making it pleasing him your highest priority in life. You make choices that please him no matter how hard it is and no matter what everyone else is doing. You don't do what everybody does. To please God, it involves rejecting compromise, rejecting sin, rejecting hypocrisy, rejecting double standards, that you are the same person everywhere, that I'm not holy on the pulpit and then I go home, I do some things at the back. Or that, uh, no, that I'm not, I, I, I don't profess not to drink and then I have alcohol in my car. That I don't watch nonsense on the, on the TV. I don't have uh, pornography on my telephone. I'm not talking to other women or other men, women and men. That I am holy. That you are one person, not two people. There are some of you men, you are three human beings in one. You are one with... Elizabeth at home, your wife, and then another person with mercy in the office, and another one when you travel to Lagos. Three human beings, you are demon-possessed. That's what it means. That is multiple personality. God wants us to just be the same. That you are a pastor in church, a pastor at home. You can't be a pastor at home and go at church and then go home and beat your wife. That's multiple personality. You can't be a deacon in church and then in the office you are stealing money. That is multiple personalities. You have to be one person. They should know you. Like, like Enoch. He had the testimony that he, pleases God, that he pleased God. So your testimony must be the same in church, at home, at work, in the village, overseas. Everywhere. They should know you as one person. Then it means you're working with God. Amen? Amen. Thank you. It means you're working with God. I don't have the time to read um, first, Second Corinthians, but it says... I've, I've made it my aim to fully please the Lord. And John chapter 4, verse that, write, write that down. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9. 
And John chapter 4, verse 34 said, My meat is to do the will of my Father. To walk with God is to refuse to please yourself. Listen to me, to, to live to please yourself is to live a miserable life. Please listen to me. The easiest way to be miserable is to try to live your life to be happy. There are some people, I've met people recently who say, I don't want to look back 10 years from today and wish I had been happy and wish I had denied myself something. See, when you decide to make yourself happy, you're going to sin. It almost happened to me when Pastor Ina died. I just thought I had to marry. I had to be in love. I had to, I had to have, and as I was, I was doing that, things were just going wrong around me. There was so much noise in the ministry. When I decided and said, I don't need a man, I need only God, my life balanced. See, as long as you determine, you say, I must be happy. I deserve to be happy. You have chosen a very simple way to be miserable because it is only in obeying God and working with God that we are happy. The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You will not be strong, you will be weak, you will be miserable. So you are not going to look for a life to be happy. Ask for a life to please God. Because when you please God, you will be happy. The sure way to be happy is to fully please God. You give him joy, he will give you joy multiplied. The last point is, you walk with God by worshiping and thanking him. You walk with God by rejoicing, by singing, by worshiping, by dancing, by extolling him, by lifting him up, by being thankful. How many of you would like to walk with somebody you are walking and all the person is doing is complaining about how you didn't do this, you didn't do that? It's overwhelming, isn't it? It's better to have somebody who is saying, I, I, I thank God for you. You extol the person. You extol the person. You know, I had a fantastic experience yesterday in the morning. I wanted to send Mommy Gio a simple note to just say, Mommy, I love you. But then as I began, I just began to say, Mommy, thank you for picking me up when I was at my lowest. Thank you for putting that ban in my hand. Thank you for doing this. I said, Mommy, thank you for writing that check. I said, you've written me a check for 500,000 and you've written the ministry 5 million naira. I said, thank you for letting me sit close to you. Thank you for letting me do this. Thank you for letting me. At a point, it became 10, eight pages of text message. And you know what? Maybe when that message goes to her, it may be at a low point. And then it will minister to her. Everybody loves to be thanked. Everybody loves to be praised. Everybody loves to be beautiful. By the way, men and women, don't look at a person and say you are fat. No woman wants to hear that she is fat. Please, even if she is fat, look for something in her body and say you are beautiful. Stand up on your feet, let's go home. Look for something. Don't, don't say you are, some of you will tell your wife, look at your stomach. No. You do that, you won't get good sex that night. Don't, don't be saying stuff like that. Tell her your lips are beautiful, your eyebrow is lovely. Leave her fat alone. By the way, you contributed to the fat. Stand up, stand up. You cannot claim to be working with God and be grumpy, complaining, ungrateful, or discontent. On the contrary, when you walk with him, give him joy, and he will give you joy back. Amen? Did you learn anything this morning? Joshua Selman always say, are you blessed? Are you blessed? Stand up on your feet and take a moment. Just say, Father, I want to walk with you. I want to please you. 
I don't want to please myself. I want you to be happy. Your happiness is more important to me than, your, than my happiness. Talk to God. Tell God I, I love you. Thank you for listening to this message. You will be blessed when you do the things that you have heard. You can make a brand new start in life by becoming a child of God. It's as easy as believing in your heart as you say the following prayer. Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. Jesus, come into my heart today and be my Lord and Savior. I declare right now that I am born again. In Jesus' name, Amen. Congratulations if you just said that prayer. It is important that you join a Bible-believing church immediately so that you grow in knowing Christ. We would love to have you visit our church in Abuja, Nigeria. For more information about this ministry, you can visit our website at www.fwcabuja.org. God bless you. Family Worship Center. We care.